الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا نساء النبي لستنك أحد من النساء إن اتقيتن فلا تخضعن بالقول فلا تخضعن بالقول فيطمع الذي في قلبه مرض وقلن قولا معروفا صدق الله العظيم Most respected brothers and sisters لا تبارك وتعالى Out of his grace, his mercy, his fazal, his karam has blessed us with innumerable bounties. In the Quran Sharif, Allah says, وَإِن تَعُدُّوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ لَا تُحْصُرْهَا If you count, and try to count the bounties of Allah Ta'ala, you will never be able to do so. Innumerable bounties. Shaykh Saadi Rahmatullahi, in one couplet he says, that every breath that a person takes, that breath requires true shukar. One is the shukar for being able to take that breath in. Sometimes, Allah forbid, person has an asthma attack. Person cannot breathe. So the fact that a person can breathe, what a great na'mad. Because without being able to breathe for a few seconds, half a minute, a person is now completely like a fish out of water and life is going. So that breath going in is such a great na'mat of Allah Ta'ala. And after that breath goes in, if a person for some reason Allah forbid cannot breathe out, then too his life is in danger. So every breath that a person takes already, that breath is deserving that a person makes shukar twice on it. But then the ability to make shukar is itself a na'mat. A person should be required to make shukar on that na'mat. And this will never come to an end. And therefore Allah Ta'ala says, وَإِن تَعُدُّوا نِعَمَةَ اللَّهِ لَا تُحْسُهَا If you try to count, if you count the favors of Allah Ta'ala, you can never count it. If you try to count the benefits of one bounty of Allah Ta'ala, you can never count it. One person came to one Buzrog, one pious person, and he began complaining of many, many problems and difficulties and financial problems and the poverty. And I got nothing repeatedly. I got nothing. Unfortunately, these kind of statements are very easily on our tongues. Anything happens and a person will just negate everything that Allah Ta'ala has blessed one with. Sometimes there's a little bit of a problem, maybe something a person is not... Uh, didn't get what they expected from the husband, from the parents, from whoever. So these kind of statements will come very quickly on the tongue. You've never done anything for me. You've never given me anything. Whereas there's so many things that Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with. But it's not just the person that we are negating. It is even Allah Ta'ala's na'mat we are negating. So this person also was complaining and saying I got nothing. So that Buzuruk said, okay, look, let's do this. You give me your one eye, I will give you a hundred thousand. He says, why must, how can I do that? hundred thousand, five hundred thousand also, I won't give you my eye, I cannot do that. The eye, I can't replace. 
okay, give me your one hand, I'll give you 200,000. So he said, no, I cannot do that. Hand, 200,000, what is 200,000? I can't part with my hand for that. So then he carried on in this way, okay, give me your one leg, give me your heart. It's impossible. He said, look, I only counted a few things and you don't want to part with it because you say it's beyond that, what I'm offering. And in these few things, I've offered you over a million. So you still say you got nothing. How much Allah has blessed you with? Have you made shukr for that? So every bounty, every ni'mat of Allah is something that we have to be very, very grateful for. But the greatest of all bounties, beyond everything, is the ni'mat and the bounty of Iman. This is the greatest ni'mat, the greatest bounty, the greatest wealth that Allah has blessed us with. And we should be making extremely great amount of shukr for this great bounty of Iman. What is the shukr of Iman? Everything has its particular manner of gratitude. One is the verbal gratitude with the tongue a person will say, Alhamdulillah, bless Allah wa ta'ala. If some human being has done a favor to us, we will thank the person. That's the verbal shukar. But then everything shukar has its particular way also, practically. For example, if somebody has given us some very nice scarf, so now there's a shukar for that scarf. One is the verbal shukar, the other is to wear it. But now somebody uses a scarf to start wiping the dishes. So, say this is an insult. That this was given for a certain purpose, but it's used now for something totally different. Not meant to be used for that purpose. So now the person is using the very nice scarf to wash, wipe the dishes. Same insult. If the person who gave the gift sees this, say it was an insult. Somebody gave some food. So now the thing to do is to praise the person and to thank the person verbally. But then the sugar of that food is to partake of it some bit, some little amount of it. Now instead of eating some of it, the person takes all that food and say, puts it in front of the dog, puts it to the cat. And he says, well, this cat is eating it also. See, but you didn't even touch it. The person feels totally disappointed, feels insulted that you said Jazakallah, you said I'm very very happy you brought this and so on but your action has shown that you totally discarded it you totally disregarded it so just as that verbal sugar is important is necessary likewise is the practical sugar and that is the main part of sugar the real sugar is the amal so Iman one is the verbal shukr, that a person praises Allah Ta'ala, person expresses his gratitude to Allah Ta'ala, Ya Allah, all this is your gift, your bounty, your ni'mat. But then together with that, the real shukr is the shukr of amal. That now a person conducts himself in the way that this iman requires. Everybody Allah Ta'ala has given some general commands that apply to anyone and everyone. And there are some specific commands. General commands, for example, salah. Everybody has to perform their salah. Whether it's male, whether it's female, whether it's young or old, anybody who is now of age, salah becomes compulsory on them. So that's a general command for everyone. So this salah now, whether it's the man, he's got to perform his salah. Whether it's the wife, she has to perform a salah. And 
this is her personal responsibility. If the husband is not performing his salah, she will encourage him. If the wife is not performing salah, the husband will encourage her. But each one will be asked in the grave about their own salah. Each one on the day of Qiyamah will be questioned about their salah. And this is the most fundamental obligation of deen after Iman. On the day of Qiyamah, the first thing a person will be questioned about is their salah. And the salah is what brings barakat in that home. What brings the person's risk. Often people miss their salah. Why you miss your salah when I'm too busy? I can't leave the shop. I can't do this. I can't do that. So why you are slogging in that business? Why are you doing that job? So that I can earn. So I can get my some income. I can earn my rizq. Whereas Allah Ta'ala has linked that rizq with salah. وَأْمُرْ أَهْلَكَ بِالصَّلَاةِ وَاسْتَبِرْ عَلَيْهَا لَا نَسْأَلُكَ رِزْقَا نَحْنُ نَرْزُقُكَ Allah Ta'ala says that command your families to perform their salah punctually and you also be punctual upon it. Allah Ta'ala says we don't ask you for risk. نَحْنُ نَرْزُقُكَ We grant you risk. So salah and risk both are being mentioned side by side. If a person performs his salah, Allah Ta'ala provides that risk. So likewise in the home, when salah is performed, there's still out of the Qur'an Sharif, there's some tasbihat, some zikr taking place, there's ta'aleem taking place. All this brings barakat in that home. It unites the hearts of the people of the home. Many people have a lot of problems and difficulties and they complain about this and that and the other. But when you talk to the person and ask the questions, that is everybody performing salah in the home? No. Sometimes somebody misses this, the fajr, somebody is missing the isha. Sometimes somebody is missing the whole day's salah. Is there any tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif taking place in the home? Well, sometimes. Is there tasbihat, zikr taking place in the home? Well, hardly ever. Sometimes these are the type of answers that come. So when this is the case, then what brings the barakat? What brings the rahmat of Allah Ta'ala? What brings that kind of conditions that will unite the hearts of everybody? That people don't undertake. And those things that bring the negative effects. Now then there's music being played, or the television is there, or there's novels, and there's magazines, and all kinds of things that draw the azab of Allah Ta'ala, that chase away the malaika. Wherever there's pictures, whether that picture is on a screen, whether it's on a page, wherever it is, while that picture is displayed there, of any animal thing, the malaika have disappeared from there, the malaika of rahmat. When the Malaika of Rahmat are repeatedly being chased away, so then what's going to come in place of that? So to get that barakat, to get that unity of the hearts, to get that happiness, to get that tranquility, that peace, we have to do those amal that bring that peace. We have to do those amal that bring that Rahmat of Allah Ta'ala. There are many, many people who have difficulties and problems, marital issues and whatever else, and they were advised that you start off the starting in the home of the Fazail Amal, but it must be regular, must be daily, and it must be done with importance given to it. And if the woman folk take this as their responsibility, then inshallah it will happen regularly. And alhamdulillah, summa alhamdulillah, after some time, after a few months, many reported that because we were doing it diligently, mashallah, we found a tremendous difference, a huge difference. In fact, some, I asked, okay, how many percent? What, what percentage you'll give it yourself? You say maybe 60%. Mm. 60% is more than a pass mark. Nobody 
can expect all the time 100% everywhere, but 60% people pass with 60%, they become doctors with 60% passes, they become engineers with 60% passes. So 60% pass is a very good pass. But it comes with diligence, doing it regularly, diligently. So what we were talking about is the sugar, that there are some general commands. Everybody has to do it. Then there are some specific commands. What are the specific commands? For example, the specific command for men. They have to care for their families. They have to earn for the family. That is their responsibility primarily. And likewise, for example, now, in terms of salah, a specific command for men that they could perform it with jamaat in the masjid. Then there are other similar, there's a janaza, the men will attend to that janaza. It's their responsibility. So there are many duties which the men have specifically been commanded to do. Likewise, there are certain specific responsibilities that Nabi Islam has placed on females, on the woman. That these are your responsibilities. What are the responsibilities? In the Hadith Sharif it is mentioned that Hazrat Ali and Hazrat Fatima anha, Nabi Islam distributed the responsibilities between them. Everything that pertains to outside the house, all the work, whatever else is to be done outside the house, Hazrat Ali was made responsible for that. Everything inside the house, Hazrat Fatima was made responsible for it. Nabi Islam distributed the duties. So now, Hazrat Fatima, the Queen of Jannat, and she is undertaking all these duties, regarding it as an honor for herself. Allah's Nabi has given her this responsibility. So now she's undertaking all this hard work. Hard work in that time was really hard work. Because those household chores, for example, now it's time to prepare the meal. So it wasn't some ready-made bread that could be bought somewhere. The wheat had to be ground first. After grinding the wheat, then the bread could be now the next stage to now knead the dough and then carry on from there. Even before the flour, there was a process to make it flour. And all this she had to do, the queen of Jannat. She's cooking on an open fire, obviously. There were no electric stoves. And as a result, all the smoke and fumes and whatever else. And then all the difficult chores of the home. So Fatima is undertaking this and is happy to undertake this. That very famous incident when once she heard that Nabi Wasallam, some slaves have come to him. Hazrat Ali himself said to her that why don't you go and ask for one slave for yourself. In our times we have servants. In that time were slaves. The person owned that slave. So she came nevertheless. She came to inquire. But when she came to Rasulullah to find out that could she also have a slave. At that time there were other men there. So she immediately went away. She stayed aside. She didn't come because of natural haya. This is a natural quality in a woman. Every person is born with this haya. But especially in women it is a special quality. This is the real jewel of a woman. The jewelry which we wear externally, no problem with that. Allah Ta'ala has made it permissible. In fact, men are not allowed to wear gold, but women are allowed to wear so Allah has made that permissible, but the real adornment is not what is outside. 
the real adornment is what is inside. Even often you take this example, but we'll turn it around the other way. That supposing some girl got proposed, decided, or something got arranged somewhere now, she's going to be getting married. So now she was given all the description of the details. This person has so much of wealth and this kind of position, this kind of status, and that beauty, and whatever else, all the things that are externally very, very attractive, all that this person possesses. So now she got married with so much of shock, so much of enthusiasm. That person now on that wedding day with all the best, he's come in the most flashy car and he's wearing the most expensive clothes and he's decked with all the most expensive things and he's been blessed with a lot of beauty also and whatever else. But now the first day the Nikai has just taken place and he now starts talking very abruptly. And then he's using all kinds of languages. And now he's shouting at the top of his voice. And then he's cursing. And now he's becoming abusive. So what, what happens now? He's still got that same wealth. He's still driving that same car. He's still got all the fancy frills. He's still that same person with all that beauty that Allah has given him externally. But now the inside got exposed. That the inside is rotten. The inside, there's no adornment inside. So now when the inside got exposed, there's no adornment inside, what happens? It becomes an azab to even look at the person. There's hatred already. She's already phoning her father, I can't stay here in this place. This person doesn't, he's not an insan. So now out, outwardly everything was there, but when the inside got exposed, the inside is filth, inside is dirt, inside is all kinds of abuse, so that outside everything just became worthless. The real adornment, now the same thing applies the other way around. Same thing applies from both sides. So the real adornment is the adornment within one. That is good akhlaq. Nabi Salaam has taught good akhlaq. That this is the weightiest thing on the scales of good deeds on the day of Qiyamah. The heaviest thing on the scales of good deeds is good akhlaq. Now what is good akhlaq? Among the things of good akhlaq is sabr. Among the things of good akhlaq is tolerance, hilm. Among the things of good akhlaq is compassion, compassion and kindness, is forgiveness. Now these are things of good akhlaq which it starts off within the four walls of the home. That to show that tolerance, to have that tolerance, that sabr, that compassion, that kindness, that forgiveness within the home, with the husband, with the parents, with the children, with the in-laws, with whoever, both ways, all from every direction. Now these are things of akhlaq. And the beast class is saying that the heaviest thing on the day of judgment, on the scales of good deeds, is going to be good akhlaq. Can we imagine? On that day, everybody wants the scale of good deeds to be heavy so that they can go to Jannah. And the prescription for that is good akhlaq. Good akhlaq, talking in a kind way, in a good way. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, never in the hadith of Shamail, it is mentioned, wala sakhaban fil aswaq. And he was such a person who was always soft-spoken. He wouldn't even shout in the marketplace. Now, this is what is mentioned in the hadith, wala sakhaban fil aswaq. 
He wouldn't even shout in the marketplace. Now, why marketplace? What was his the significance of mentioning the word marketplace here? So the significance of that is that in the marketplace, in the bazaar, in the market shops, then many a person who normally is soft-spoken elsewhere, he also comes in his business and now he's shouting, trying to sell his things, he's shouting, or he's trying to buy something, he's shouting, or now he's shouting at his whatever people that are there, his workers, or Nabi Wasallam, even in the place where everybody else is shouting, even there he wouldn't shout, let alone at home. Now we are all the Ummatis of Rasulullah and we are all to follow and emulate his teachings. So now he never shouted, so we will also follow that. There are times when we want to say something, there are times we are upset about something, we will express sometimes what we need to say, but in a dignified way, not in a way that becomes, goes way out of the way that Nabi Salaam has taught, so, in any case, this is the real adornment. The adornment is what is inside. That this compassion, this kindness, this forgiveness, this sabr, this hilm, and all the other, the, the nature of always wanting to make, not break. To unite, not divide. This was the way that Nabi Islam thought. He would take the difficulty upon himself and make the next person comfortable. This is what he thought. And this is what he did. So in any case, we are talking about Hazrat Fatima that among the aspects of akhlaq is also haya. This is a natural quality within a woman. But because of the environment, because of the things that are all around the media and whatever else, the systematically starts breaking down this haya. And when this haya breaks down, it's a very dangerous situation. It's a very terrible situation. This haya is something that needs to be guarded very jealously. This is something which is the true adornment of a woman. This is the real jewelry. This is the greatest asset, the aspect of haya. And in the hadith, Nabi Islam says that inna al-iman wal haya jamia. Iman and haya, they are partners. They coexist. When one goes, the other will go with it. This is how close Iman and Haya are. So, once in the gathering of Hazrat Muhammad Masihullah, Khan Sahib of Jalalabad, he was busy with his majlis, and two small little girls, their mother, somebody had sent them with one little note to pass on to Hazrat Ali. Must have been something important, something urgent. And there was nobody else to bring that message. So this lady had written that note, but now nobody else to bring it. So she sent these two small girls, sisters, or whoever, one four, five years old, other seven years old or something, five, six years old. And the both of them now came in. And when they came in, there was this gathering now taking place, this majlis taking place. And all men are there. So now they walk in, but now one is trying to hide behind the other. Now how can they both hide one behind the other? But in any case, now trying to hide their heads down, and they came and they gave this note to Hazaji. And then, as soon as they gave it, they disappeared again in the same manner. One is trying to hide behind the other, and only two people, how they would hide. But in any case, they went away like that. Now, they are small little children, and they are hiding themselves away from the men that are there. So, when they left Hazaji, he addressed the people that were there. He said, Dekha, you saw, 
يبقى الاوبزرف سيد هي حياه سيد حياه that as small as these little girls are but they have been brought up in a correct manner so their haya is still intact and despite their very young age they are now conducting themselves with this natural shyness and they don't want to be even in the presence of this whole gathering of males and then he said something very very significant and important he said this haya is a natural quality but when it gets lost it's very hard to bring it back the thing is to protect it to protect it very very greatly and all the things that destroy haya whether it is the media the television the things that are on the phones and whatever else to get rid of all these things of the newspapers that come in the homes the magazines the novels all these things destroy haya and gradually step by step it starts destroying haya and as a result allah forbid what not happens so as fatima radiyallahu ta'ala anha she also came and she saw these men they in the presence of nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam she immediately went away because she couldn't come and talk to nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam not talking with the men talking to nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam her own father but these men were present so she couldn't do that because haya dictates that so she left so this is now this natural way which deen has given us azwaj mutahharat they are the mothers of the ummah yet nabi allah tbarak wa taala says to the sahaba ikram that wa idha saltumuhunna mata'an fas'aluhunna min wara'i hijab and if you have to ask the azwaj mutahharat the sahaba what pure people if you have to ask the azwaj mutahharat the pure wives of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam the mothers of the believers you have to ask them something necessary you do so from behind the curtain not directly this allah taala is giving the command to the sahaba with regards to the azwaj mutahharat the pure wives of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the mothers of the believers and then allah taala says zalikum atharu li qulubikum wa qulubihim that is purer for your hearts and their hearts oh, this allah taala said as a lesson to people till the day of qiyamah that who can ever come and claim anything that they are purer than the sahaba any lady comes and claims she is purer than the azwaj mutahharat the nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam is been told you give them this command that they must do so from behind this parda behind this curtain behind this veil so this is all this haya that deen has taught for the fatima radiyallahu ta'ala anha they were moved away she didn't talk there she came away home when she came home later that night nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam came and he inquired as aisha had already informed him what she had come for so nabi islam came and he gave them the tasbih of fatimi that every night you recite 33 times subhanallah 33 times alhamdulillah and 34 times allahu akbar before going to bed when you come to the bed first recite this before sleeping and nabi islam is saying to who to his own daughter who is going to be the queen the queen of jannah and he had such great love for her and nabi islam would leave on a journey the last person he would meet would be hazrat fatima radiyallahu ta'ala anha when he would return from a journey the first person he would visit would be hazrat fatima radiyallahu ta'ala anha and there was such an attachment between father and daughter and now she is asking for a slave for a servant to do the work to help with the work of the house and nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam has that authority to give her one slave but he comes and says 
that can I give you something better? And then he offers this tasbih Fatimi. And he says, this is better for you than a khadim, than a servant. That you recite this before going to bed. And Allah Ta'ala will grant you that strength and ability that it will make it easy for you. And you'll be able to easily fulfill all the chores and tasks of the day. Hazrat Fatima Ta'ala the queen of Jannat. And she knows her father can give this to her. But she is happy to accept what he's offering in return. And she's saying, I'm more than happy with taking this. And she takes that and never ever asks for anything beyond that. And she starts practicing on that alone. So this is what the distribution of these duties. So among the duties that Nabi Salaam distributed was everything outside the home, Hazrat Ali everything inside the home, Hazrat Fatima for all the household chores, etc. These are part of those duties. Together with that, the upbringing of the children. And what is the meaning of upbringing of the children? That we implant the qualities of Iman in their hearts. That is the real upbringing. Unfortunately, many cases, or many, generally the situation is that the concept of upbringing, the meaning of upbringing in our minds, is that we have to feed the child, clothe the child, and in this zamana, entertain the child. This is upbringing. Feed the child, clothe the child, or maybe educate the child, and then entertain the child. So we've provided all the necessities of life, and then as much as possible entertain the child. MashaAllah, very good. Then now we've done our duty. But in the process, if the child's akhlaq that is being affected, the child is listening to music, the child is going to mixed gatherings, the child is doing some other things which are going to be very detrimental for his iman, for his deen. But as long as we've done these things, we feel very content. Whereas the real upbringing is that we make the child somebody who is linked to Allah Ta'ala. Hidayat is in the hands of Allah Ta'ala, but the effort we have to make, what is our responsibility? We will be questioned about our effort. In the hadith, Nabi Salaam says that Kullukum ra'in wa kullukum mas'oolun an ra'iyati. Every one of you is a shepherd and he'll be questioned about his flock. A man is a shepherd of his family. Then Nabi Salaam says, Wa mar'atu ra'iyatun ala bayti zawjiha wa waladihi. And a woman is the shepherd of the house of the husband and his children. She is the shepherd of that. He'll be questioned about this. So this is our responsibility, our duty, that we now need to keep this in mind and give the correct Islamic upbringing. And when we will have the correct Islamic upbringing for our children, we will become the first people that will benefit out of this. Otherwise, the first people that bear the brunt of the children's deviant behavior are the parents. Others suffer it later. The children, the parents suffer it most, and they suffer it first. So we are doing ourselves a favor that we give the correct Islamic upbringing to the children. We teach them respect, teach them honesty, teach them the love of Allah Ta'ala, teach them the ta'aluk with Allah Ta'ala. That there's any difficulty, don't complain first. First you make two rakat salah, you turn to Allah Ta'ala. You beg of Allah Ta'ala. You ask Allah Ta'ala for your needs. Then you do whatever is within your capacity. So when you'll teach these things, and this will come via the talim. If we establish this talim in the home, you'll find all these things, inshallah, will start flowing out of that talim. But it must happen with regularity. It must happen with consistency. And with this little mujahada, 
there is a mujahada, there is sacrifices to be made to undertake that akhlaq that we spoke about. There are sacrifices in that. The biggest sacrifice that a person often has to make is a sacrifice of emotion. Often, that is the biggest sacrifice. The sacrifice of emotion. A person is very angry. And now to suppress that anger for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. person wants to say a whole lot of things. Abusive things, vulgar things, cursing. And now to suppress that and say that which will bring peace, which will bring happiness. And those who do this, Allah Ta'ala rewards them and blesses them in a way that cannot be counted. Even in dunya, even in dunya, the barakat that comes and what is in the akhirat is beyond imagination. So this little life Allah Ta'ala has given us, this very short stay we have in dunya. How long is a person going to live in dunya? We all have to move. We all have to leave this world. But when we leave this world and we leave this world with iman, with amal saliha, with having done whatever service we could for deen, having given the correct Islamic upbringing to our children, then inshallah we leave also in a way that our akhirat also will be made. And after we've gone, the same children will now remember us in dua. The same children will now make isali sawab for us. Otherwise, they'll start fighting over what we left behind. And they'll forget about us. Two, three days, five days, and then they'll forget about us. So we need to make that effort that we bring deen in our lives, bring deen in their lives. We establish the commands of Allah Ta'ala. The home is a place of deen. It is not something that we can take chances with. Sometimes shaitan deceives us that it's my life, let me live my life. Who's there to tell me what I should do? I must be able to do what I want to do. My money, I earned it. But is it really my life? Is it not Allah Ta'ala's gift? Is it not Allah Ta'ala's amanat? And the wealth, this too will be, will be questioned about on the day of Qiyamah. So all these things we need to all the time be discussing, thinking about it, that where am I headed to? What is my direction? Where am I proceeding to? And death will sooner or later come. Once Harun Rashid was a great king. He got very sick. So a lot of people came to visit him. So one person who had come to visit him was Bahlul. Bahlul was somebody very close to him. Now once, long before this incident, Harun Rashid had one day given Bahlul one walking stick. And he told him that, Bahlul, the day you find somebody more stupid than yourself, you give him the stick. It's an amanat. It became like a joke, everybody laughed about it. And Bahlul was somebody who was a very great wali of Allah Ta'ala. But he was a majzoob. People thought he was mad, but he wasn't mad. He was mad in the love of Allah Ta'ala. So in any case, that incident came and went and had gone. And now Harun Rashid got very sick. People thought he's not going to survive. He's going to pass away. So people started coming to visit him. So Bahlul also came. So Bahlul came, he asked him, Amirul Mu'mineen, what's, what's happening? What's the problem? So he replied and said, Oh Bahlul, what you are asking? What is the problem? I'm on a journey now. Now what he's referring to is, I'm on the journey to the Akhirat now. My life in dunya has come to an end. So Bahlul just, as if he doesn't know what he's talking about, he asked him, you're on a journey? Okay, have you... Uh, sent already your army beforehand as you normally do if you're going to some other place and you send the army, the security people to go and make sure everything is safe and secure so you send all your people 
So Harun Rashid replied and said, Are Bahnul, what kind of talk you are talking? Where I am going to, you can't send anybody beforehand for you. You can't send your army and security people there. So Bahnul did like he still didn't understand what he's talking about. So he asked him then, normally you make sure you send your cooks and all the people who go and bake all the preparations for your food and whatever else beforehand. So you've sent all your cooks and everybody. He said, no, 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 I haven't sent my cooks anybody. You can't send any cooks there. <coughs> and like this, one after the other, Bahnul started asking all these kind of things. You send the people who will make, put your bedding in all right. And so eventually Harun Rashid got a bit irritated. He said, Bahnul, please stop talking all these kind of things. So he asked him, okay, Amirin, how long are you going for? So he said, Bahnul, I'm going on the journey where you don't come from. You don't return from the journey. It's a one-way ticket. And when he said this, then Bahnul took out that walking stick. And he said, oh, Amirul Muminin, I have an amanat to return. So what is amanat? He says, you gave me the stick years ago and you told me when you find somebody more stupid than yourself, you must give it to him. I found that person. That person is you. Yeah, please take your, your manat. He says, I'm the most stupid person. He said, yes. When you travel a little distance in dunya for a short period of time, you are somewhere going for one week, sometimes for two weeks and one month, and you make such great, great preparations. You send your security people beforehand and you send your cooks beforehand and you send all these kind of things and you're going for such a short period of time and so much of preparations and you take so many things along and now you are telling me that you're going on such a long journey that you don't come back from that journey and I'm asking you what preparations you made for that journey you say nothing you've said anything beforehand you've said nothing so who can be more stupid than that that he's going on an everlasting journey and he hasn't made preparations for it. You are the most stupid person. Please take your manat back. <laughs> so this is the same lesson that we have to ponder about. That how much of preparations have we made for the hereafter? How many preparations we made for the Qabr? And how far is the Qabr? Every other day there's a message. So and so slept at night and passed away. In the morning the person didn't wake up. So and so was walking and just fell down and passed away. So and so was driving, there was an accident and passed away. One person, recently, she was coming back home and it was just a few days before Eid. So all the preparations for Eid and imagine all the excitement that was building up and she was buying this for so-and-so and buying that for so-and-so, all the presents, Eid presents and whatever else. And about 50 meters from the house, now coming back with again a lot of things in all this Eid preparation, 50 meters from the house, but in an accident and passed away. Now, life is finished. In the home, there was so much expectation that Eid became an Eid of mourning. All that excitement and everybody was, as the days were coming closer, it was just a couple of days, few days, two, three days left. Excitement was now coming to a peak. Whereas that too is something else, that in the days of Ramadan, we are destroying sometimes Ramadan to make Eid. What we are supposed to be doing, that time is going away in preparing for Eid. And the Ramadan is getting wild away. So, now what happened? Now she's gone in her cupboard. Likewise, our life. Allah knows best how much of time we have. Now these very Mubarak days are already at our doorstep. The month of Shaban is already almost here. And then the month of Ramadan follows. So this is the time for us to make decisions in our life. That our entire life must revolve around deen. 
our entire home must revolve around deen. Allah Ta'ala has not forbidden us the halal ni'mats of dunya. A person acquired it in a halal way. A person has a comfortable bed to sleep on, a comfortable home to live in, good food to eat. Allah Ta'ala hasn't forbidden these ni'mats. These are ni'mats Allah Ta'ala has made for the believers. But these ni'mats are to be used the way Allah Ta'ala is pleased with it. And to be used in a way that takes us closer to Allah Ta'ala. So our whole home, our life must revolve around deen. And shaitan will always be there to try and distract us. Shaitan will try everything to waylay the person, to take the person away from deen. Will bring all kinds of temptations via the media, via the phones, and via whatever else, the internet, and the newspapers, and the novels, and the magazines, and the company, and then functions. Sometimes shaitan will take a person away to some wedding, but now, what is in that wedding? All kinds of haram is taking place there. There's mixed gathering taking place, and people are dressed in a terrible way, and then there's music taking place there, and Allah forbid every other day you hear of something further. Shaitan is getting people deeper and deeper. We've never heard, we've never heard in the past years and years that in a Muslim wedding where people who are even to some extent conscious of deen also, that in a Muslim wedding there's dancing. Now you hear all these kind of terrible things also, that in a Muslim wedding and all these kind of things happening, everything to draw the azab of Allah Ta'ala is done at a wedding. And you have to give dua of barakats. And we ask everybody for dua for barakats. The wedding is a very happy occasion, but we want to try and make everybody happy. The parents must be happy, the children must be happy, the brothers must be happy, the sisters must be happy, even the servants must be happy. The servants are given good clothes to wear on that day, and they are given something, whatever else, and made. But the last thing we think about is, is Allah Ta'ala happy? Is Allah's Nabi Sallallahu going to be happy? Allah and His Nabi Sallallahu out of the picture. And everybody else must be, must be happy. If we displease Allah Ta'ala, can we be happy? Oh, will that bring down the wrath of Allah Ta'ala? Can there be barakat in such a marriage? Where with our own hands, with our own money, we destroy the barakat of our children. So, now shaitan will drag a person in that kind of environment. Shaitan will drag a person into places of where there is behayai, or immodesty and shamelessness. So these are things that we have to now start becoming conscious of. That first is deen. That's the priority in our lives. And when a person will make deen the priority in their lives, Allah Ta'ala will make their dunya also a place of happiness. In the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala gives this promise. That whoever male or female with iman and together with iman does amal saliha, righteous deeds. Righteous actions means fulfilling all the faraiz, the wajibat, the sunnah muakkada, and staying away from sin. This is amal saliha. Then Allah Ta'ala says we will give such a person a good life. What is a good life? Good life is in the heart. Otherwise, if good life was outside in things, if good life was luxuries, if good life was all the wealth and trimmings and trappings of dunya, then every wealthy person would be the most happiest. Whereas, there's an article that I have, which was an old article, about 15 odd years ago, there was an, a survey done in America. 
of 25 of the richest people in America. 25 of the richest people running into the multi-millions, billions. They've got more money than they can use. And they've got everything that money can buy. And what was the comment about these people? 25 people they surveyed, some 15, 20 years ago. That article I still have it. That the majority of them, their lives were marked by depression and suicide. They were suicidal. Now who becomes suicidal? That person who's got nothing to live for. He's lost all hope in life. Allah forbid such a great sin. But a person starts becoming suicidal where he feels now there's nothing left to live for. Now the person has got all the wealth, 25 of the richest people in America. And they did their own research. Now why is the person depressed? And why is the person in this kind of condition? Why is the person suicidal, want to take his own life? Because Allah Ta'ala has now, he has destroyed the barakat in his life. They've got no iman also. One is somebody is ill, that's a different issue. But where a person is only chasing after that something which he calls happiness and he's trying to find it where it's not there. He's trying to find it in things. Unfortunately then, this becomes the end result. The person is now suicidal. So where will this peace come from? Where will this happiness come from? This contentment come from? This will come from Iman and amal Salihah. And this enthusiasm for amal Salihah, for performing the Salah on time, for making Tilawat of the Quran Sharif, when Tilawat is going to take place in that home, Barakat will come. When Tasbihat will be recited, Barakat will come. Where will the strength come to avoid, for example, the things that Allah Ta'ala has forbidden, the intermingling with men and other haram things, etc. Where will the strength for all that come? It will come when this Iman is activated. That will happen by means of this Talim. That will happen by this constant daily recitation of Zikr, of Tasbihat. At least a hundred times daily, Astaghfar. Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. Very simple, very easy, such a short istighfar. But from the depth of the heart, do it and see what a difference it makes to one's life. Do it and see what peace it brings in the heart. Dedicate some time. After Fajr, for example, it will take five minutes. Hundred times istighfar and hundred times durood sharif. But from the depth of the heart, feel it coming from the depth of the heart. person is reciting with devotion. One is to just rush through it, just to count the numbers. But one is to do it from the depth of the heart. Feeling that istighfar coming from the heart and feeling the effect on the heart. Astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah. Each time that the heart is being scrubbed, something is washing the heart. And each time a person is reciting istighfar, the dirt of the heart is getting washed away. And after that, hundred times durucharim. Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, how much of favors upon the Ummah? On one occasion, Hazrat Aisha Siddiqa radiallahu ta'ala anha, she saw Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam very happy, so she decided that this is the right time to ask. Now, if we see the husband happy, we also sometimes see the right time to ask. But what will we ask for? Illa mashallah, we'll ask for something about dunya, some appliance or some other thing that we wanted. Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala saw her husband, Rasulullah sallallahu very happy. She thought this is the right time to ask. And what did she ask? She asked for dua. This is what she asked for. Oh, Nabi of Allah, make dua for me. <coughs> so Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made dua. Allahumma khfirli Aisha ma taqaddama min zambiha wa ma taakhar. 
وما أسرت وما أعلنت أو عايش أو الله forgive all the shortcomings of Aisha major minor before past previous future whatever so he made this dua for her when he made this dua for her she became so happy she became so happy she couldn't contain herself and she almost her she was sitting her face came right down to her lap out of this excitement so Nabi Salaam observed this and he asked her Aisha? has my dua made you happy O Aisha so she replied yes indeed in other words that you are the Nabi of Allah Ta'ala and you make dua for me what a great thing Nabi Salaam replied to her and said Innaha ladawati li ummati ba'da kulli salatin. O Aisha, this dua I make for my ummah after every salah. I make this dua for my ummah after every salah. Allah's Nabi Sallallahu remembered us at every occasion, every time. And after every salah, He's making this dua for us. And how much do we remember Him? He undertook what kind of sacrifices? He was stoned till His whole body was bleeding. His family was being mercilessly persecuted. His sahaba kiram were made shaheed in front of him. Why? He tolerated all this so that we could have the name of Allah Ta'ala. We could have Iman. How much do we remember him in return? At least the bare minimum, at least 100 times Guru Sharif daily. The shortest form of Guru Sharif, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. One through the person decides, Allah Ta'ala sends 10 rahmat upon him. Now we want barakat in our homes, we want rahmat in our homes. This is a prescription. One durood sharif, a person decides, 10 rahmat Allah Ta'ala sends down. A person decides 100 durood sharif, how much rahmat? We get the children to decide the durood sharif, and this 100 istighfar, and 100 durood sharif, the short istighfar, short durood sharif. It won't take more than 5 minutes, 5-6 minutes at the most. Properly, nicely, a person decides it also, 5-6 minutes it will take him. So from the whole day, Five, six minutes. We surely can sacrifice that much. And what sacrifice? This is for our own good. It's bringing back barakat in our own lives. It's bringing all the rahmat of Allah in our own homes. So daily this istighfar hundred times. Daily durood sharif, a lot of muhabbat. Great azmat and respect and love for Rasulullah in our hearts. And with that very nicely, very nicely reciting sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. First, a person can start off with Durud Ibrahim at least once, three times, and then Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So, these few things we do ourselves, we get our children, our family, everybody to get practicing on these things, and the Talim in the home regularly, inshallah, we bring alive these few amal and we'll see what a difference it will bring in the home. And we start making an effort that we ponder within ourselves, make muraqaba, meditate. What are the things I need to rectify in my life to get closer to Allah Ta'ala? The type of akhlaq that I have, how can I improve that? Haya, how can I increase that? And the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala, how can I increase that? Because everybody has to sleep in their own qabr. And that qabr is very close. Allah knows best how much time we got left. Everything else will get left behind. But we will take the qabr with our iman and amal salihah. So may Allah Ta'ala grant us all the tawfiq that we make our lives revolve around deen. We make our homes revolve around deen. May we become very very punctual on the recitation of these tasbihat and daily some tilawat of the Quran Sharif whenever that is possible. Daily 
Some tilawat of the Quran Sharif must take place in the home. This tasbihat is every day of our life. And whenever we can, the tilawat of the Quran Sharif, that must happen in the home. The children also daily. There must be some tilawat of the Quran Sharif in the home. This is what's going to bring that muhabbat in the house. This is going to bring the barakat in the risk. This is going to make life a pleasure. It is not from things. Allah Ta'ala will put that happiness from things also when these things are in place. So, and the very important thing, the ta'aleem in the home daily. At least 10 minutes. 10 minutes ta'aleem of the fazail amal and fazail sadaqat, the second volume, the second part. Some days fazail amal, some days fazail sadaqat. These two things we try and do regularly, punctually, and inshallah we'll see what great good will come out of it, how much of benefit we will get, we'll be able to pass on that benefit to others, and daily some time in dua. This is the last thing that we will discuss. The daily sometime in dua. One is dua in a dedicated time. We ask so many things from so many people. We will ask the husband, we will ask the father, we will ask the neighbor, we will ask so many else. How often do we ask Allah Ta'ala? One is reading duas. Person just reading some dua and doesn't even know what he's reading. First for the barakat of the duas of the Quran and the duas of the ahadith, we will recite some of those duas. And if we know the meaning, that is a very good thing that we should try and read it with the meaning. But then in our own words, <coughs> we beg from Allah Ta'ala. Beg for our needs of dunya also. There's a problem, make two rakat salatul haja and beg Allah Ta'ala first. And thereafter we do what we have to do. Then we adopt the means. But start off with dua. And make this a habit. Over and one is dedicated time, at least few minutes, three minutes, five minutes minimum that a person is sitting and begging from Allah Ta'ala, talking to Allah Ta'ala, asking for the needs of one's family, oneself, asking for barakat, for hidayat, asking for the whole ummah of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And above, over and above this, every now and again, we can be talking to Allah Ta'ala directly from our hearts. That is dua also. Person is busy cooking and she's making dua from her heart. Ya Allah, you make me among your pious servants. Allah, you grant the ummah safety from all the difficulties that they are going in. Allah, you give my children deen. Allah, you keep them steadfast on deen. Allah, you grant unity and muhabbat in this house. Now we are making dua all the time. Who knows when is that acceptance, moment of acceptance? And in that one moment, everything will just work out. But we got to make this a habit. Keep asking Allah Ta'ala. So inshallah, with these few things, we'll see what a tremendous change it will bring to our lives, to our homes, to our families and inshallah this will become a means of great good for generations to come. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala bless us all. Wa akhiru da'awana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu wa laka shukru kulluhu. Allahumma la nuhsi thana'an alayk anta kama athnayta ala nafsik. Jazallahu anna nabiyyana muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bima huwa ahluh. Rabbana walamna anfusana wa illam taghfir lana wa tarhamna lanakunan min al-khasirin. اللهم افتح لنا بالخير واختم لنا بالخير واجعل عواقب أمورنا بالخير بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وأصحابه أجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين